Welcome to the Movie Journey Podcast, where we break down every film from the IMDb Top 250 list, giving our own thoughts and reviews and any general discussion along the way. My name is Daniel Henderson, the Schmeagle to Dean's Gollum. And I'm Dean Jeffrey, and if we spoke as slow as the Ents did, we'd still be doing our Die Hard podcast. And today we are doing part two of our breakdown of Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Dean, how are you, bud? Very good, mate. How are you? I'm doing very, very well. Ready to get into, you know, the second half of a of a great middle film in a great trilogy. Wow. That is one way of describing it. But before we, you know, before we move on, let's... Yeah, let's pause for a sec. We had a very special day yesterday, did we not, Hendo? Not together. No, not together. It was your <laughs> birthday. How was your birthday, my friend? Oh, the birthday was fine. I turned thirty-three. It's it's a it's a nothing what birthday. A, it's, what an odd age. But don't don't speak too soon, mate. You'll be there soon enough. It's like leaving the volume on your TV on at thirty-three. It just doesn't feel oh, right. That's that, I can't do that. That's unfathomable. <laughs> Yeah, but a birthday in in lockdown, in isolation, it's uh, yeah, there's only so much you can do. So, had a nice breakfast and lunch and dinner with the family. Sat down and watched. <laughs> so you a, had you, know? you had three meals. <laughs> yes, I had my three meals. Please go on. <laughs> I watched Lord of the Rings. I watched Harry Potter. It was okay. It was a good day. Got some good presents. Got a new poker table. So can't wait to break that out when the you know, isolation rules uh, are lifted. Which is hopefully soon, Hendo. Hopefully soon. Yes, indeed. All right, what are we doing today, Hendo? Well, after the breakdown, we're going to take a look at our question of the week. Well, actually, before that, we're going to look at some reviews that you listeners have given to the, about the movie. Then we'll get to our question of the week, which is, what is your favorite epic battle in film? Which will be our top five as usual. We'll take a look at the results of the final four in our best film of the 2010s film tournament. Uh, results are interesting. They're always interesting, regardless of who wins or not. Aren't they, Dean? No, I, I disagree. I think... What's important is who wins. And I don't mean the movies either, Hendo. I mean, me and you. I mean, you basically just spoiled who's winning this. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it didn't really matter who actually won these Who won these next two uh, films coming up because we both picked the same two. So, yeah, that's it. Uh, I cannot win this. Dean's winning the 2010s tournament. So, that's shit out. What a glorious anyway. time this is. I am a man of the people <laughs> after all. And then after that... The next movie we'll be doing is, of course, The Return of the King. So, plenty to get into. Let's do it. Give me the update. All right, Hendo. What's going on on the IMDb Top 250 list? Not a whole lot this week. Not a whole lot of change. Let's just take a quick look at some films that we've actually done breakdowns on. See that Logan has dropped down two spots to 216. See that Stand By Me has gone down two spots to 205. We also see that Unforgiven has gone down two spots to 132. Biggest biggest mover this week and is shaker. a very yeah and a shaker is a film right at the bottom it's called winter's sleep it's uh moved up three spots to 245 that really means nothing since those bottom 10 films really fluctuate a lot and i guess we can see that 1917 has gone down one more spot to 79 so not really much else happening for this week do you think it's because of the covid that you know there's no new movies there's no fresh blood coming in I know we're not at Oscar time yet, but I feel like leading up to the end of last year, there was so much movement going on with so many films, and now it's just like, eh, one spot here, one spot there, one spot this here. This is probably the part there. of the year where the films don't really move around a lot. I'm not listening to you, dumb, you dumb song, whatever you're doing. <laughs> How did you not react to me busting out some Wizard of Oz out of nowhere? <laughs> I was too busy talking. <laughs> You don't even listen to what I say. No. I can literally never. sing, and you just, yep, 
Carry on. No, business as usual. Just, just classic Dean doing dumb shit. All right, let's move on. Before we get into Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, part two, obviously we're going to be spoiling this film and we may as well spoil Return of the King as well. So if you haven't seen them, it'd be pretty weird listening to part two of Two Towers, but there it is. Spoiler warning. All right, Dean, let's get into part two of our breakdown of The Two Towers. There will be no dawn for men. The ring. Bruno! It's taking hold of you. You have the gift of foresight. Tell me what you have seen. He is not coming back. The defenses have the hope. They will hold. There is nothing for you here. Only death. There is still hope. Alright, Dean, where did we leave off last time? I'm pretty sure. Poor Aragorn died off the cliff, didn't he? That's right. He's dead. Never to be seen again. Just like Gandalf is never seen again. Just like Boromir is never seen again. Just like how everyone who dies in this film is never seen again. They are done. Oh, no, wait a minute. We see all these people again. Oh, yeah, we do too. Yeah, that's right. Never mind. But no, we we start this one off with Theoden and the rest of the Rohirrim plus Legolas and Gimli arriving at Helm's Deep to break this tragic, tragic news of Aragorn's passing. And I must say, pretty coy from Gimli as well. He doesn't even say like he died or anything. He's just like, Lord Aragorn, where is he? Fell. Yeah, you fell. What, like, over? It's like, okay, did, did you pick him up? It's like, <laughs> oh, shit, no no one thought of that. It's like, what do you mean he fell? Well, he fell off a cliff. Oh, well, oh, what? Did you go and look over the cliff to see if he was there? No? Yeah, there was a, there was a river. Did you follow the river? No. <laughs> what is this crazy <laughs> language Eowyn's speaking here? <laughs> kind of sounds like you don't want Aragorn to live. <laughs> <laughs> You just see Gimli eyeing off that that throne of Gondor. (laughs) (laughs) So no, no, he's gone, he's gone. Anyway, let's go look at that, shall we? (laughs) Uh, But Eowyn, yeah, she's she's pretty insensitive here. She, you know, that they they had a hard track there, and they they King Theoden says, you know, we've paid for it with many lives. And uh, Eowyn, not too impressed, let's be honest. To which I say, shut up, Eowyn. You weren't fighting those giant hyenas, okay? You weren't there. She would want. She would have wanted to be there, though. She wants to fight. She wants to fight with them all. Yeah. Is that not enough? It's not. It's not enough. Actions speak louder than words, Hendo. But no, we get one of these iconic great scenes between Grima and Saruman. Yes. I actually really yes. like this scene. Because it is good. Saruman is literally filling up this giant metal ball with what has to be gunpowder, obviously. And <laughs> Grima walks over with this flame, just like hanging this candle <laughs> right above it. And Saruman's just like, hey, stop it. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> you fools. <laughs> yeah, it sets up his big army rallying the troops together with his big speech. Oh, hold on, that. hold on. No, 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 no. you got to no? stop here because this makes absolutely no sense to me. How did Grima get to Saruman without seeing this army? I mean, you've got to think at this point, he's literally living in this tower with Saruman. Where, where else is he going to go? And it's like, yeah. well, even if, even if we can break through the wall, like it would take an army beyond reckoning. And they're just like, oh, hold on, just come over to the balcony. Here's 10,000 <laughs> men you may not have seen on your way in. It's like, what? He's just been, look- he's just been looking at the other side for the whole How time. How have you not seen this enormous army? <laughs> It is a great line, though, from Saruman. There will be no dawn 
no door for men. Yeah, very iconic line. I do remember that one. Really? Yes, I do. Is this like that Legolas line you like so much? They're taking the hobbits to Isengard. You know how I knew that? How? Because that is a giant meme that they made a big remix song out of. I went and saw it on YouTube. It's ridiculous. They made a song out of it. Of their taking the hobbits to Isengard. It's playing right now. I'm putting it in. Ah, this song. Yeah. Definitely act like you are listening to it right now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but now we cut to the Ents and Merry and Pippin. There's a lot of scenes. Oh, you actually had something to say. I was was just going to move on. Uh, Well, I'll put it in in now. There's a, a lot of cuts to them just walking. And mentioning what is happening in a further ahead. Look, Hold the on, army is go- going. How good is a bit where we're right in the thick of the Helm's Deep epic? Oh, <laughs> hold on. Let's you haven't had back. your regular Ent, Merry, and Pippin update. I wonder what yeah. exciting thing has pulled us away from the Battle of Helm's Deep. And it's like, we were just deciding that you were, in fact, not orcs. <laughs> or we what? just finished saying good morning, but it's nighttime. <laughs> Let's get back to some orcs getting killed. <laughs> yeah, I must say the whole tree beard ends Marion Pittman portion of this film, even, like from the get go, it's it's definitely the worst part of this film, and it really slows down a lot of it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, I do love this. And film. Like, like you said, like the how slow they talk, how slow they walk. Uh, man, we hurry get it. You're slow. Up. Yes. <laughs> and like, I'm sure Peter Jackson would argue, like, that's the point. They're slow. You have to show it so many times. <laughs> it's a four hour movie, Mr. Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got, I've got the extended cut. Let's get some more tree beard. <laughs> Slower version. <laughs> oh, biggest shock of my life here seeing yeah. Aragorn coming down the river. I'm like, holy shit. I, I was blown away. I bet you were. I bet you were. He's supposed to be dead, man. No, but he's dreaming. And Arwen's sleeping beauties him. <laughs> you know, give the woman the power this time. I like it. Well, there's not that many women in this film, Dean. They need every powerful scene they can get. So what's wrong and with that? Do- no, I-, I must admit, there aren't a lot of women in Lord of the Rings, but every woman we see is pretty much super powerful. A goddess. A goddess. Yes. Or Liv Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> How good, how good is his, uh, Aragorn's horse, though? Just rocks up, scoops him up, off he goes. Looks like he's dead. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like, so even you saying that, like the horse scoops him up, I feel like the amount of energy that Aragorn would actually have had to use to climb on a horse. Yep. I realise the horse is sitting down, but still. And then to ride it like he is riding it. It's not like he's thrown across the saddle. He is sitting yeah, like properly. he's actually sitting up. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that would be a lot of work. Viggo Mortensen actually bought that horse for himself after the movie was finished. He loved that horse so much, he he purchased it and then took it home. Nice. I thought you would have known that, Mr. Trivia King. Have you not done your Two Towers trivia? I have. It's not very exciting, I've got to say. I've read it a couple times. Yeah, look look at the trivia for Two Towers. It wasn't as crash hot as The Fellowship. Nah, a bit of a letdown, I've got to say. I've got some more uh, sidetrack scenes here with Arwen and Elrond. Yeah, and it's funny, like the start of this scene I thought was a little slow here. But it's definitely worth it for the scenes where we see Elrond basically describing what her life would be and Aragorn, like, dies and then literally turns to stone in front of her while she's still young and mourning. Yeah. And 
like what Elrond is saying here is super poetic. Like the the imagery of her walking stricken with grief in this dying forest. It's really, really good. But you, my daughter, you will linger on in darkness and in doubt. As nightfall in winter that comes without a star. Here you will dwell, bound to your grief under the fading trees. Until all the world is changed and the long years of your life are utterly spent. Yeah, there's some great lines here. Actually, this scene turned around a lot for me. Peter Jackson, I did see some trivia that Peter Jackson filmed a scene with a, a very young Aragorn meeting Arwen for the first time, and, and apparently he didn't know where he could put it in the film, so it never went into the film. Even when the has that ever version. stopped him? <laughs> oh, but I'm sure you could throw in another, like the 18th scene of the Ents walking along. <laughs> no, no, I can't, I can't fit this scene of uh, young Aragorn and Arwen in the film. That's, nah, that's too hard. It's too hard. Mess, messes with the flow. We Ents don't like that scene. <laughs> Not slow enough. Brilliant, brilliant. But no, we get Kate Blanchett coming back, which I did oh, forget. Oh, she's back. Galadriel starts narrating. Three scenes in the film? Yep. Film or trilogy? <laughs> is it the film or is it the trilogy? No, she was in a, she was in a, a big portion. Well, not a big portion. She was in a decent portion of Fellowship. She was in a big chunk of Fellowship. Uh, yeah. And she does pop up at the end of Return of the King. But no, she says, what does she say here? She basically just tells us what's happening. Sauron will use yeah. Saruman's army to destroy the race of men. I mean, we kind of knew that already, Galadriel. Yeah. She's just uh, uh, recapping what's happened so far. Yeah, but she says here that Frodo begins to understand the quest will claim his life. You know this. And she's speaking to Alrond, I learned at this point. I thought she was speaking to the audience as she was you know, at the start <laughs> of Fellowship. But no, she's actually talking to Alrond here. But this doesn't happen. It's not like Frodo dies. He finishes this trilogy alive. Yeah, uh, I don't know, maybe because he, I don't know, does what he wants. He pushes past it, rewrites the chapter. What? Like, is she predicting the future? Does she know exactly what is going to happen here? I think the implication is that she can see into the future. Clearly not. No, I agree. All right, but we get lots of Faramir now. What do you make of Faramir? I tell you, I think he becomes a lot better character now that we have this flashback of Sean Bean and their story. I, th- I'm a- I think this flashback involving Boromir is fantastic with those two. Me too. I can't believe this didn't make the theatrical cut. Exactly. Because this not only not only does it improve the character of Faramir like hugely, I reckon it improves Boromir massively looking oh, back on the first one. Definitely. Like, seeing that, you know, the massive amounts of pressure he's under from um, Denethol, but not just that, but he's been sent there not to be a part of this fellowship to help destroy the ring like everyone else, but he's been sent there basically as a spy to take the ring. Yeah. So, he already starts this mission out trying to take the ring regardless of whatever, you know, weaknesses that he ends up succumbing to. I thought it was fantastic. I did also appreciate that it's not just that... Faramir doesn't like Denethor because Denethor hates him. Boromir doesn't like Denethor either. No, Den- Denethor's a dick. He's a massive dick. Good hair, though. He's got a good hair game going. Good set of locks. <laughs> Some serious receding hairline he's rocking. <laughs> Puts you to shame, Endo. Get fucked. <laughs> 
It's the 33, all right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. I, at least at 33, it's acceptable now. <laughs> I didn't want to say anything at 32. <laughs> <laughs> but now we get another really important scene where Faramir shows Frodo Gollum playing around in this forbidden pool. I don't know why it's forbidden, but... You know, basically Faramir saying, well, if he means nothing to you, you know, I'll unleash these arrows and he'll be dead. And Frodo stops him. Frodo shows Gollum mercy, which is so important. It mirrors the mercy that Bilbo shows Gollum in The Hobbit. But we didn't know that at that point, did we? Well, we did because it's talked about in The Fellowship of the Ring. That is true. And I just remembered that now after you told me. Yes. (laughs) I was thinking to an unexpected journey. No, 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 no. Forget forget about that. Yes, I will. But no, Frodo does stick his neck out here and says, no, 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 we know Gollum. He's our guide. And then, I mean, Gollum sees this as a massive betrayal, what happens here. Yeah, definitely. Rats him out. Tells him that he stole the ring. Wait, what? Who who says what? Gollum tells Faramir that Frodo and that stole the ring. Yeah, yeah, but- Because at this point, Faramir doesn't know that they have the ring, does he? No, he doesn't, but it's more- more the point I was getting at is that Gollum sees what Frodo's just done as a betrayal, but in reality, what he's done is save his life. But he doesn't get an opportunity to tell him that, does he? No. But we do get a good My Precious line here with the, ah, at the end. <laughs> my Precious! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> You see Faramir here, now that he you know, he knows that Frodo's got the ring, he's very, very tempted to take this ring off of him. And you can see that Frodo, he, he snaps back at him. He, he, you know, his eyes go, almost go to the back of his head and he pulls back and they find out the ring. They're, they're taking the ring to Gondor, even though he really wants to just, please let us go. Let us continue to Mordor. No, no, we're going to Gondor, mate. Yeah, yeah. But at least to his credit, he doesn't outright take the ring off Frodo. No. But do you think that's got to do with Frodo's reaction as well? What, being possessed? Like, getting really defensive about it. Like, you can see these nice, gentle hobbits, and then for him to snap at him like that, showing him that, you know, that's the power of the ring, like, consuming him. I don't I don't think so. I think that does no? happen, but I don't think it happens right now. It happens later. Okay, cool. Gee, I must say, it's actually lucky that Aragorn did fake die off that cliff because he wouldn't have been, he wouldn't have seen that the Urukai is coming and be able to warn them. This is true. This is true. Mm. So Aragorn does go back. We get the touching reunion with Gimli, Legolas. Before that, though, we get another amazing shot of the New Zealand landscape. Oh, with Aragorn. yes, yes. Another one. Oh, mate, they're all so fantastic. Yeah, they are. They really are. But another amazing score coming along here. All these, all these scenes are fantastic. How good's a shot of Aragorn almost slow motion entering the King's Hall? Yeah, that's a great entrance. He's so exhausted, but he's so cool. He really is. <laughs> but Theoden is very proud. He refuses to call for help. And in fairness, from everything we know of Gondor, they weren't coming anyway. No, they were not. Bloody Eowyn looks quite shattered here when Legolas gives Aragorn the necklace. Eowyn, I mean, you've known the guy for what? Two days? In fairness, have you seen... Aragorn? Her, yes, I have. He's a tasty have you, dish. Have you, seen, have you seen the alternatives, the other options that Eowyn is dealing with here? Legolas is a good-looking elf. <laughs> wow. Oh, Gimli? Gimli, nice yeah. Brute, I mean, brute of a man? She wouldn't forget that night. Brute of a dwarf. <laughs> wouldn't forget yeah. that night. <laughs> uh, and my axe... <laughs> 
But Theoden and Aragorn do kind of keep trading positions here on basically setting the tone for the other people because Aragorn is he's almost spreading fear right now. He is the one saying, like, we don't stand a chance. And Theoden is the one saying, well, if we're going to die, we're going to die fighting, which certainly isn't how this these two will continue over the next few hours. Well, I feel like this... Where this movie or this trilogy ends up going with Aragorn, you know, taking that claim as king, this is like him learning from his king right now. Like, this is how to be acting. Kingly. Very kingly. Don't want to be telling all your men, oh, we're dead. We are so screwed. But in literally the next scene, Legolas, who in a strange, very out of character way of, you know, saying something that actually has some sort of emotion behind it, says, (laughs) what's the point of this? We're all going to die. And Aragorn fires back with, then I shall die as one of them. He's learnt his lesson. Boom. Rallying the troops. Now, that is a character arc in like two minutes. Do you think Legolas is doing this because he feels like he's going to die without all of his elf friends? Does he have elf friends? They certainly rock up later, don't they? I feel like Legolas is probably just the rejected elf. He's the runt of the elves. Yeah. Like, eh, all right. He's the show off. He's got to to ride his shield and fling his arrows to get some attention from the other elves. I bet if the, you know, the other elves were watching Legolas skate down a set of stairs, they'd just be, you know, like head in hands, like, oh, God, you're embarrassing us. What are you doing? He wanted to get some more notoriety, so he made a They're Taking the Hobbits to Isengard rap video. Is it actually rap? It's definitely remix, so it's a, like it's a rap. It's just the, it's just that word, that, that sentence over and over in a rap in some sort of remix style. It's ridiculous. Well, so what do we got here? We got some more ants discussing why, nonsense. Why? Why? Why even bring them back up? Just it's let's here. not this talk about happens. the ants. Let's not talk about the ants until we see the tree putting out the fire in the in the flood. <laughs> that, is, that is a great shot. <laughs> it's the only memorable end scene. <laughs> no, I disagree. I think I think when Treebeard does step out of the forest and sees all the dead trees everywhere. But these that, were my friends. My, these were my friends. Oh, thumbs up friends. Oh, Treebeard friends. <laughs> Man, that is old school. <laughs> That's a casual in-betweeners pull there. Jeez. <laughs> so we're basically getting the setup towards the big battle here. All the women and children are going to settle down to the caves, preparing for a big night, tuck yourselves in. And, you know, Eowyn, she wants to come out and fight. And she gets shot down pretty quickly. You can do much better work down in the caves. With the women and children. Yes, women and children first. I did not realise that this guy, King Theoden, is the captain of the Titanic in Titanic. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Women and you children just blew first. my mind. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? He took, what he, he took what he had from Titanic with the women and children first. He just kept it on going into two towers. <laughs> <laughs> it's his signature move. <laughs> now you get this scene here. You get Aragon takes his sword off this kid. And uh, it's it's you know it's a bit of a slow scene, but it's important. Bit of an that- extended scene. Oh, I don't know. I reckon this not is sure. debatable whether this is extended or not. I feel like it's not, to be honest. Uh, but the okay. kid's really scared, and Aragon does a good job of saying, "Nah, this is a good sword. You've got good swords here. There is always hope," which is important. It's definitely important to have hope because hope is a good thing. Hope will set you free, and no good thing ever dies. What are we doing? <laughs> Wrong movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
uh, like it was an hour ago and they patch up their their differences, their little argument they had before. Yeah, that was a massive fight they had. Yeah. <laughs> he walks up to him, forgive me. I was wrong. Sorry, bro. <laughs> but all the owls rock up. They need to they need to join the party here. Yeah, very good that timing. All about the all about the all about the man uh, trying to fight this battle here. The elves are going to help out. Yeah, it's a good thing they didn't you know arrive an hour too late and you know get destroyed by the arse <laughs> hey end guys, of the orcs. Here. Oh god! <laughs> but no, let's get into the Battle of Helm's Deep, shall we? No, let's not because let's look at just before the battle where they are standing there and waiting. Basically waiting, patient. You can hear, you can hear the sounds coming, the footsteps, the dread, the fear of what's coming. And then it starts to slowly close in. And then you start to see the Urukai and how threatening they are. And then it starts to rain. And just the tension and the buildup of this battle just before where, it starts. Where funnily is this enough, going? Is my <laughs> excellent. Wow. Really? I cannot believe. That the discussion we had last week about what part of the battle is going to be excellent, and it turns out it's the bit just before the battle is my excellent. I love this setup. Your excellent is not even inside the Battle of Helm's Deep. No, it's not. It is the setup. That the is dread insane. and the tension just before it happens. This is it the is shot so fantastic. What is wrong with you? This was the best part. The the pulse pounding setup just wow. before it happens. You're off your head. <laughs> No, I loved it. I loved it. And it's not to say I love the battle, because the battle is fantastic as well. Just it it peaked right here at that just It peaked before it even got started. It did. Because so it was set it was up so all well. Downhill from here. It just released like it was like oh after that. Can you never make that noise again, please? <laughs> <laughs> but yes, the battle does begin now. With some they, guys shooting that shooting his load too was quickly. So insignificant. I was just gonna pass on over it. And you're like, no, 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 no we gotta go back. That's my favorite moment. Yeah, let's go back. <laughs> what are you doing? <sighs> I've got a bit of trivia here though. The orcs, obviously they have black blood, but they didn't want to have it look like, you know, the inside of their mouth was pink like a regular human. So to fix that, the orcs had licorice-based mouthwash swilled around in their mouth every time they had to take they had to do a scene. So their breath would be gross then. I don't think that really matters. Oh, maybe not to you. Well, but do you think I'm orcs sure are going to have were... nice, fresh, minty breath? I bet there were some serious players playing those orcs. Eowyn would have been in serious trouble. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the Helm's Deep battle overall, it took four months to shoot. Three months of that was at night with one month during the day. It was ed- edited down from over 24 hours of footage. That's a solid edit game. It is. Before we get into it, what is your opinion of the fact that it is broken up into, I think it's five separate pieces of the battle mixed in with the Ents, I guess? Because we don't see Frodo and Sam here for a while now. Yeah, I forgot how how much of this second part of the Two Towers actually take off. Well, they don't want to, because the battle for Gondor is going to happen soon enough. They don't want to be really mixing both in at the same time, unless you know, until to really towards the end when it's sort of paralleling each other. When but you what say about- the battle for Gondor, do you mean in Return of the King, or do you mean the fight that they see at the end of this film? The fight at the end of this film. Which is not in Gondor. Where are they then? Osgiliath. Yeah, I must have missed that. Did There's you so think many names was- of places in this film. This Hold is on. a film I really wish they would have had the names of the places. <laughs> I really wish they would have. Uh, I really wish they would have had the names of the places come up on. The, <laughs> like yeah. most of the time, I don't care about you know the, the the names of the cities and that they come up in different movies. But I really could have used a couple of different names popping up of the different cities and places they're at in this point. Can I just confirm that you thought Osgiliath was Gondor? Yeah, 
Well, you're in, for a, you're in for a serious treat when you see Gondor, my friend. Because Galadriel mentioned Gondor just when they rocked up to that place. I'm like, well, that must be Gondor. No, it's it's like the, you know, like just outside the front gate of Gondor is Osgiliath. Well, why couldn't they have put that up there? <laughs> just close to Gondor. They could have, this, this film definitely could have used a couple of like... Uh, maps of uh, Middle-earth like the place and then, a, and then a zoom in of the place of where they're up to like, or an arrow pointing of where they're at <laughs> really would have helped me out anyway uh, what did I make of it being interrupted I mean I kind of would have liked it not be interrupted in all fairness when the interruptions are the Ents uh, it gets better towards the end when the Ents actually get to Isengard but uh, for me one thing I did like about this Helm's Deep battle was the music and I know we talk about the score a lot, but they're using the same score they used uh, at for Isengard when the Urukai are being made. Basically, it's really good. It is really good. the The first wave here of the all the arrows. Like, it did looks, you catch it looks the fantastic. Wilhelm scream? Yes, I was going to say you, this. I think it's the first time you've ever said to me if I caught the Wilhelm scream. Well, you got to keep a, a close ear out for that Wilhelm Wilhelm scream, Hendo. I mean, it's not hard to hear. It's very obvious. This one was, this one when was like very front and center. <laughs> I must say, if there was a if there was a best part of the actual battle itself, it's definitely when the the orc sacrifices himself and blows up the bridge. That looked fantastic. Yeah, and what made that bit so fantastic was Aragorn just screaming to Legolas, "Bring him down! Kill him! <laughs> Kill him!" <laughs> it, it was really good, and I did like the the slow mo element to it as well. You see, there's a lot of there's still there's still the friendly banter between Legolas and Gimli here. Did you like? I think we missed this. Where just when the battle before it starts with Gimli, hey, it pans across the the bridge, and all you see is his helmet. Yeah. He's like, oh, what's going on? What's going on? There's a lot of still a lot of those short dwarf jokes going on. I love the short jokes. But did you what like the, the keeping count joke? Yeah, the keeping count. So I don't I don't get this because Gimli's at like two. I think he says. And Legolas is already at 17, but they both end up at 42. I swear I see Legolas kill a lot more people than Gimli. Yeah, I'm pretty Gimli's sure we see uh, Legolas, Legolas kill more arrows. than 42 people on screen. <laughs> and we see probably, you know, 30 minutes of a 10-hour fight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and with so many uh, so many orcs in that, in that big uh, formation, and they only pick like 40 each. It's like one little yeah. tiny square. Yeah, do better, guys. Then <laughs> Aragorn comes in. Mate, I killed like 360 of them. Be honest, how much did you love the shield riding down the stairs? Not as much as when I was a teenager, Hendo, I must admit. <laughs> like, Whoa, how good's Legolas <laughs> going down there? I'm going to try that when we get out of here. Hey, I was a skater bro back in the day. <laughs> I, did li- I did like when the orcs are breaking through the, the main front gate and Thaden pops up for no reason at all to stand right at the front gate, gets stabbed, and then he gets ushered away. It's like, ah, well done, King. Get out of the way. You did your best. <laughs> he was on the front line. To be fair, though, he does hack off a ho- an orc's arm. Yeah, that was all right. That was all right. I must say, not it's not a bloody battle, is it? None of these battles are bloody, are they? You see, like, a couple of heads get cut off in that, but there's no, like, blood spurts and everything. I, th- I think what really helps keep the... Like, obviously, it's not violent. It's not... They're not violent films, but what makes it what makes it easier for them to get away with it is that it is at night and their blood is black. Yeah, that makes sense. So, it's just like... And it's raining. So, there's already yeah. so much liquid everywhere anyway. It's... Yeah, they sort... It just all sort of blends in together. The fact but that no- this is set at night 
and it still looks so bright as well. They really did a fantastic job with the the way it looked, the lighting and the color scheme as well. Like it's very sort of uh, good tones of blue, and you can you can see how they did that with they had. Looks like the reflection or the, the light of the moon generally behind the characters as it happens. So the, the the shine behind them really accentuates them, and it works very very well. Like you you compare it to something like the bloody battle at the end of Game of Thrones that last season, where it, it looks horrible and it's so dark. This is the the stark contrast to that this works fantastic. This is the Ned Stark contrast to that Hendo. Ah, <sighs> damn it. Are you sad you missed that yourself? <laughs> well, I'm sad I said that to set you up. As soon as I said Stark, I could just see your eyes. Just, Bing! There like, it is. Stark, Game of Thrones? There must be a pun here. <laughs> uh, but no, we get Aragorn and Gimli sneaking through this secret side door. I'm amazed that this yeah. wasn't the uh, the o- the only weakness to Helm's Deep that Grima is telling Saruman about. Yeah, there's a side door around there. Just attack that. We get that massive payoff that we wanted from the first film. The nobody tosses a dwarf. Now, now he's learned from his mistakes. I can't jump the distance. You have to toss me. <laughs> have to toss you. <laughs> what? Don't do accents again, please. I can't jump the distance. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is good. Now you can see they're starting to lose, though. Starting to fall back. It's not really working out too well. Yeah, because the ladders that the orcs are putting up now have about two hundred orcs on every ladder. Why That's do they a sweet just shot. Start with Where? those ladders. How good is Legolas? Like every time some something happens, he just fires a couple of arrows and sort of solves the problem for a minute. Yeah. The big ladder's coming up, he fires the arrows, he he, he breaks the ropes on them, you see the massive ladder go falling back down with a great shot, by the way. It was a good shot, the way the camera followed the falling ladder and you sort yeah. of see the little, you know, ruffle, I guess, of orcs on the ground. This is about the time where we finally see Frodo and Sam. Yeah. I've written in my notes, ah, Frodo is still here. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about them. Basically, what, Frodo's basically begging Faramir to let him go? Yeah, he's telling Faramir that the ring only destroys Hendo. Yeah, I didn't know that. I'm glad he told me. In fairness, he's telling Faramir, not not you. But I'm listening and I know this already. You know what I want? I want some more Ents. Oh, no, wait, let's let's get back to... Oh, no, we are at, we are at some more Ents. This is the probably the best end part of it with Treebeard seeing the dead uh, trees, the dead Ents. Dead ends. And yeah, he, he's getting super pissed at Saruman because I honestly I forgot how what the fate of Saruman was. What happens to how did how does he get defeated and when? Really? Yeah, because I was I under mean, the it- impression that Saruman was not in Return of the King. You are wrong. I know. I am. I realize that now. And I only realize I went into this film thinking, okay, he lo- he obviously loses here. I don't know how. But he basically dies in this film because as far as I saw, there's no Christopher Lee credit for Return of the King. And I'm like, oh, he must be done after this one. Well, and in then fairness, I, after- I did read that Christopher Lee was, just to jump forward to Return of the King trivia, was super, super pissed that his scenes got cut from Return of the King. Because all his scenes in Return of the King are extended only. He's not in the theatrical version. Maybe that's why he's not credited for it. Yeah. Yeah. So when I saw what you know what the end of Saruman is here, where you know the last scene is he's just him looking out of his tower, I'm like, is that seriously it? Like, is that the end of Saruman? That can't be it. I mean, it was going to be, yeah. Oh, what a terrible ending for him. Or for us, for him. Yeah. But doesn't Gandalf mention that he's going to have some strife coming up with Sauron for his failure? Does he? I think so. We're, just before he says, you know, the battle for Middle-earth begins, he's sp- I think he's speaking to Aragorn, like, yeah, he's going to have, like, you know, in a not so, you know, not so wizardry way to say, it, he's basically saying, yeah, he's screwed now. Saruman's going to, you know, punish him for this one. Okay. 
Yeah. I don't, we'll I don't remember that. that. It might be there. But uh, we got another Frodo scene here. So this is actually a fairly decent gap in the Helm's Deep fight here. And we see Faramore like giving the hobbits over. He's like, here, take him to Gondor. See you later. And Sam cracks the shits and says, listen, you want to know why your brother died? Oh, God. <laughs> <coughs> Did that accent hurt your throat that bad? All right. Let me just let me go off on a small tangent here. So I, I, I watched Venom. And it finished, like, right before we started recording. And Ethan asked me, he's like, oh, who played uh, Eddie Brock? I said, oh, it's Tom Hardy. And he said, who played Venom? You know, the Venom voice. And I said, oh, it's actually Tom Hardy as well. And he goes, what? No, no, how- his voice doesn't sound like that. <laughs> and then I did the Venom voice. Oh, yeah, trying to do it now. Oh, I mean, <laughs> I, did it, I did it all right, <clears throat> all right before. <clears throat> oh, I can't do it. Give me a line to say. I I, I can't say we are venom. <clears throat> we are venom. Actually, it wasn't too bad. Yeah, but I was doing it a fair bit with Ethan before, and it actually does hurt my throat now. And when I went to do the Sam accent, oh, poor it, baby, it it hurts. I don't I don't know how Tom Hardy put up with it. Lots of our soothers because of how soothing they would be for his throat. Pretty sure that's the uh, what it says on the the packet. All right. <laughs> Okay, so we get back to Helm's Deep. We get the Urukai breaking into yet another door. I'm losing many track of, of how many doors I actually need to get through. And Thaden is just giving up. He's done. Yeah, but it is gonna, Aragorn well, that the leads the way. Oh, yeah. We, well, we've got to give Gimli something to do. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, all right, Aragorn and Thaden, get on your horse and ride through, kill a hundred orcs on your way down. And it's like, oh, hold on. What's Gimli going to do? No, Gimli, you he go sail the, the horn, horn mate. <laughs> Get on the horse. Yeah, but that, that shot's pretty good where they're, they're running down the, the bridge on the horses, taking out the orcs. But it's not over yet because you got Deus Ex Gandalf. Yes. He, I mean, the problem is as soon as they come and ride into the army, it's it's it. It's over. Yeah. It reminds me, you know, more Game of Thrones here when Littlefinger rocks up with Sansa Stark. Yeah, of course. Battle of the Bastards. Pretty sure that's where they got it from for Lord of the Rings. It is quite possible, Hendo. I think it's very possible. And basically, while this is happening, the Ents start running amok at Saruman's, releasing yeah. the river. And I actually think the effect of the water washing away all the orcs and stuff, it actually looked really good. Because I think water can look real dodgy uh, with CGI, but I thought the effects were fantastic. Yeah, and like you mentioned before, old uh, tree guy who was on fire, I thought that guy was done for. <laughs> tree guy. A direct guy. descendant of Treebeard. <laughs> Yeah, so everything's coming up good, guys, at the moment. And now we go to Frodo wigging out over this Nazgul, which is actually my... Excellent! Okay, so your excellent isn't even part of the battle as well. (laughs) (laughs) You give me shit for it. (laughs) I can't believe you didn't say anything. You were like, "Uh, the battle kind of ended. You still haven't said your excellent. Uh, no, it is it is this bit here. In fairness, it was going to be that that guy running in slow mo with Aragorn yelling, but as soon as this moment came up here, I, I I just knew Hendo. I knew. Oh, did you now? So this scene where Frodo walks out, he's got the Nazgul there, and it's just like it goes real silent, and he holds a ring out. And I just thought the imagery of this huge flying beast there in this tiny little hobbit I thought it was fantastic and then you got sam running up stopping frodo physically stopping him and then frodo cracks the shits and holds a bloody sword to sam and it's at this moment where faramir truly understands what power this ring has that this ring would turn these pure pure hobbits against each other 
and what a burden it actually really is. And then you got Sam, who in honestly, Sean Aston here, great performance. And he's just like, it's me, it's your Sam. Like, don't you know you're Sam? And then the effect wears off, and Frodo is just like horrified of what he's done. And then Sam cries. I just thought this moment, uh, you know what really solidified it? It was when Sam starts talking about, you know, like these great stories, and you don't know how they end, and all this stuff here. I just thought it was so beautiful. Performances were great. Just summed up their relationship so far beautifully. Loved it. Ah, very good. I do like that scene too. And I agree with everything you just said. And even you get Smeagol looking on here, like when Sam's saying that there's good in this world, that this world's worth fighting here, and you cut to Smeagol, like genuinely looking really sad at them. Yeah, but what happens with Smeagol coming up? And then the Shire music kicks in. Like how great is that Shire music? I love it. Yeah, we basically get a small little montage here of everyone just being victorious in all the places they're at. Everyone winning. Let's all celebrate. Why not? And what better way to celebrate Hendo than getting high on long bottom leaf? I mean, that was funny. (laughs) Probably the best part for Merry and Pippin here. Yeah. Mind you, though, Merry does have a bit of a bit of a growth here when he's, you know, confronting the Ents, saying, you know, this we shouldn't we should be part of this. This is a war for everyone, and we're not going to go home. We need to be part of this. We need to fight. I mean, there's a little bit there for him. Pippin. That was a moment. I mean, not so much. Pippin's kind of useless in this film still. Oh, just you wait. (laughs) What an arc he's about to have. I did find it funny how when the rest of the Urukai, when they realise they're lo- they've lost their battle at Helm's Deep, they turn to run away, and there's just a big forest behind them now. Like, that's a bit sus. Why is it sus? That wasn't there before, and now all of a sudden there's this big forest here. Wouldn't you be like, hmm, maybe I'm not going to run into this forest? But they do, and the forest yes, destroys them. and they them. get killed immediately. So the Ents are like the most powerful race on this earth. I'll take your word for it. Wouldn't a, wouldn't a nice big fire put them out of their misery? Probably would. Nothing a good flood can't fix, though, eh? <laughs> but no, we get this this ending here, and again, we get some great Sam lines. Sam finishing strong here in the Two Towers, saying, oh, you know, the fathers are going to tell their kids about the story of Frodo and the Ring. I want to hear more about Sam. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, why is He's finished off a lot better than what he did in Fellowship, nearly drowning. <laughs> Frodo wouldn't have got far without Sam. You shouldn't make fun, Mr. Frodo. I was being serious. So was I, Sam. So was I. That dialogue Aww. actually wasn't supposed to be in the film. <laughs> really? Because yeah, of how corny uh, it was? No, because they only had that Schmeagle, that, that Gollum Schmeagle fight to finish off the film. But they feel they felt they needed to have this talk with Frodo and Sam because they felt that the reconciliation needed to be there between Frodo and Sam to make up for their you know, big confrontation they had in the last scene. Yeah, fair enough. Well, I'm, I'm glad it was here. Then we do end off here with Gollum and Schmeagle fighting again. And they basically, Gollum takes back over and Schmeagle kind of lets it happen, agrees with it. Gonna pull out their eyes and kill them all. Kills them all. Stupid fat hobbitses. <laughs> so that's where we leave off with the two towers with everyone. Yeah, and we, he, does, he does tease it here, though, like we could let her do it. Yes, she could do it. I remember when I saw it in the cinemas, I was genuinely like, who is this she character? I actually don't know. Really? Yeah. Is this what it's like normally when you're talking to me and I don't remember stuff? Absolutely. This is kind of annoying. <laughs> <laughs> yes, now you know what it's like. Because I just assume you know all this stuff now. <laughs> no, literally don't. Don't know any of this. Well, what do you think? She, who do you think she is? Is it the third personality of Gollum and Schmeagol? Yes. Deagle. Yeah. <laughs> 
No, I don't, I don't know who it would be. Well, is I mean, Arwen? I was going to say, there's only a few contenders. There's three people. There's three, <laughs> three women in this film. No, but that's going to do it for the two towers. Yes, it is. Any last words? All right, Dean, what is your final thoughts on the two towers? All right, for me, it is hard to separate this film as its own movie apart from the trilogy. This is definitely the weakest of the three for me. And I think maybe, maybe talking about it in two halves has made it like slightly lower for me than I thought going in because that first half, really not a lot happens at all. It's... It's not a well-paced movie, this one. It is. It has very, very slow elements to it. Obviously, there is this huge Battle of Helm's Deep, which is amazing. And there are a few other, like, genuinely great moments. But it's definitely not, for me, on the same level as, I would say, Fellowship and Return of the King. I'm having a hard time rating it, I'm going to be honest. Okay. We're not. We're not going to see a. We're not going to see a five star here for the two towers. I just. I just can't justify it. I really can't. Like as a trilogy, I think this is a five star trilogy. I think it's one of the best trilogies of all time. At least either number one or number two. I just. I. I think as a standalone film, which you don't really watch this as a standalone film, though. It's not like. Other, you can't really, can you? You can't. Like, if you watch Lord of the Rings, you watch one, two, three. You don't chuck on, oh, I want to watch two towers and sit through, you know, two, two, nearly three hours to get to the Helm's Deep battle. You don't do it. Like, if you watch Lord of the Rings, you watch the whole trilogy. And is that a it- knock on the two towers and Return of the King? Why would it be a knock on Return of the King? That you can't watch it independently? Yeah. Not really, because I think the story is as it is. It's one story told in three movies. Whereas, you know, we talk about another trilogy like, say, the Dark Knight trilogy. I think that those movies do stand alone. Yeah. Because it's not one story that continues each movie. It's a, it's much more episodic. So, even though Lord of the Rings is a five-star trilogy, I'm not giving this film five stars. Uh, I'm going to give it four and a half stars. Okay. All right. Definitely didn't feel like a four and a half star review there, I must say. Yeah, I know. And that's the thing. Like when you come at when you come at a movie, like in my mind, this is a five star film. So when I go to review it and give, you know, my little final thoughts at the end, I'm going off that base of five stars and I'm saying, Yeah, you know what? It's probably not five stars. So I sort of bring out the negatives. I bring out the reasons for me personally that I don't rate it at five stars. But if you're talking off, you know, baseline versus any other film and not versing, you know, Fellowship and Return of the King, I think there is a fair bit of difference. Fair enough. I love this film. I have a great time watching this film. There's, you know, cast, score, action, production design, everything's phenomenal in it. It's just, I, I just, I can't put it at five stars for me. Fair enough. What about you, mate? Okay, so I was going to, I wasn't going to compare it to Fellowship of the Ring because I wanted to do that when we got to our rankings. But to be honest, um, this film isn't going to get to that point in my rankings to compare it to Fellowship of the Ring. So I'm going to do that here where I think the Fellowship of the Ring really had does a fantastic job in pacing the film from beginning, middle, and end. This film is very, very back-heavy. The first, I say, half to maybe two-thirds of this film is actually weirdly paced and feels much longer than what it should. It really gets really great towards the end with the, you know, the Helm's Deep battle and everything that happens there. The character development is pretty decent throughout this film for a couple of them. 
And obviously the amazing locations, the score, and that all helps out throughout the first half of this film. But I feel like there's a lot of things here that really drag the two towers down for me. In particular, you know, the the story of Mary and Pippin in the ants, it just maybe one of those scenes, maybe two of those scenes were worthy for, for me. Every other scene was is was quite boring, to be honest. The, the the stupid fake out of Aragorn dying was just nonsense. That this film, this trilogy is is and should be better than that. And I don't think anyone would have bought that for a second. It really sort of tainted the two towers a little bit for me. There's a couple of negatives there for me, but there is still a lot a lot of positives with this film. It looks fantastic on an epic scale. The characters are still there doing their thing. A lot of them really shine. The score is great. Locations are great. It's a four-star film for me. Okay. Didn't sound like a four-star film review. <laughs> Mine sounded more of a four-star <laughs> than yours a four and a half. Yours sounded like a three-star review. How dare you? I was the best because the crowd loved me. Okay, Dean, where is this going to sit on your rankings? All right. Well, I'm going to start, seeing as it was in my mind a five-star film, I'm going to start at my highest ranked four and a half star film and work my way back from there. Okay? Okay. So, my highest four and a half star ranked film is at number 19, which is The Wizard of Oz. And I think as a film, The Wizard of Oz is better. And that brings us down to No Country for Old Men. And again, I think I like No Country for Old Men more than The Two Towers. Uh, Next, it comes up against The Wolf of Wall Street. And that's where it's going to stop. So The Two Towers for me is going to be my new number 21. Okay, fair enough. Well, I'm going to start at the number 42 spot with Django Unchained, which I think this film is better than. I also think this film is better than Some Like It Hot, as well as Vertigo, and yep, it's going to be better than Once Upon a Time in America, as well as The Grand Budapest Hotel. And then it gets to Toy Story 3, and I actually think this film is better than Toy Story 3. Then we get up to the same spot you had, The Wolf of Wall Street, and I think that is also where it is going to stop. So for me, The Two Towers is my new number, 38. Very good. Can you imagine a world immune to all forms of cancer? Ladies and gentlemen, the time has come for our fourth annual live stream for the cure. And this year, we need your help more than ever. Please join us May 27th through May 31st for 48 hours of live content from guests and podcasts around the world. We'll be aiming for our most ambitious goal to date as we try to raise $10,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. Please visit www.livestreamforthecure.com for more information on this year's event and how you can be a part of it. Together, we can make a difference. Hey listeners, we just want to take a quick second here to thank you for taking the time out of your day to come and listen to us banter on about movies and all things movie related. Yeah, it really does mean a lot to the both of us. We're always looking to improve our show and get our name out there. And there's a couple of ways you can help us. Yeah, one of the easiest ways is to just get the word of mouth out there. Let your family and friends know about the show and where they can find us, which is pretty much everywhere. Places like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and of course, Podbean. We're very thankful to Podbean for taking on our podcast. Yeah, definitely. It's a great hosting site with a great app to go with it. Yeah, what I like about Podbean's app is you can actually comment on the episode you're listening to and it goes straight to us and we can reply back immediately. We've also opened up a new little merch store over on Public. We've got uh, a couple of t-shirts and hoodies and mugs and all that good stuff for sale. So if you're at all interested in getting a little bit of Movie Journey sweet, sweet merch, head on over there and see if anything tickles your fancy. Amazing! And if you'd like to get a hold of us, you can do so over on Twitter. Hendo controls our main handle at the Movie Journey and I am at Dean's 250 
50 journey. You can also check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the movie journey, our letterbox pages where we keep our film diaries up to date. I'm at letterboxd.com slash Dino underscore J88. Really rolls off the tongue. And you can find Hendo at letterbox.com slash Hendo. And we also have a new Facebook discussion group. Yeah, a little listener community going on over there. Yeah, head on over, join up. We'd love for you to be a part of the discussion. Exactly. Another way to help us out is to leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes for us. And like we've said, if you screenshot your review and DM us, we'll send you out some new sweet, sweet merch. Or if you're really loving the show and want more, why not check out our Patreon, where we post another weekly show, breaking down films not on the IMDb Top 250 list. Yeah, we've got over 70 episodes over there, including such classic film series like the Die Hard series, X-Men series, Mission Impossible series, as well as some notable film directors such as Wes Anderson, Edgar Wright, and even Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, that's right. There's also tons of benefits over there, early access to our main show, patron-only polls that we put out on the regular. Yeah, exactly. You can even shape the show the way you want to by telling us what films you would like us to break down. So what's coming up this week, mate? Well, Dean, we're deep into our Harry Potter series so far, and we are going to be tackling Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah, I think this is one of the Harry Potter films I've actually seen the most. So I'm keen. It's been a few years, that's for sure, but I'm keen to go back and see how it holds up. Yeah, from my memory, this is basically when Potter turns dark, I guess. The two, the first two were very, very kid-friendly-ish sort of childish films. And this is this is where we take the uh, the dark side. So I'm very curious to see how, or at least how my kids are going to take these films now. Absolutely. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, head on over to patreon.com slash the movie journey and check out the myriad of rewards and benefits we have to offer. All right, mate, let's get to... We may still have mail. Mail, mail, mail. Here it is. And this could be it. And we've got the one review over on Twitter from Brad at the Cinema Guys. This is my favourite of the trilogy. I mean, that battle alone is fantastic. Jeez, high praise there, isn't it, Dean? Very high praise. I was just thinking before, I wonder if anyone actually has the Two Towers as their favourite of the trilogy. All right, Brad, thanks for that review. But let's head over to our email and we've got... Isn't it amazing how they didn't make you wait more than a year between sequels back in the early 2000s? Quite a feat given the scope and duration of these epics. Maybe I shouldn't be watching the extended editions, because my main gripe about Two Towers is the runtime. This movie just goes on and on and on. I feel that it seems more mature and a touch cleverer than Fellowship. Again, the first half of the film is superior to the second. Maybe that's where my patience runs out. Wow. Jeez. Okay. I do appreciate the battle scenes, and maybe they are a highlight, but they do go on and on. Also, Game of Thrones hasn't aged this film well. Everything seems so deliberately non-violent and vanilla. At least Two Towers adds a couple more villains in whoever Brad Dourif is playing and Gollum. They're probably the most interesting part of the film. Definitely not the Pippin and Fourth Hobbit who take up (laughs) huge amounts of runtime, despite having zero interactions with anyone from the main story. Also, I noticed a lot of the cheesy jokes didn't work. Like, are they serious? Overall, in spite of the film's better qualities, I was pretty bored for most of this. Bit of a shame. Three stars. Bit of a shame, shame? Very good, Hendo, very good. Thank you. All right, mate, it's time for... Answer my question! The question, jerk! Where we asked you, what is your favourite epic battle in film? Now, let's take a look over on our Twitter. First up from 
awesome patron, Tom Schutzer. He says, all of the Braveheart battles, all of them. Next up from Ghosts of the Stratosphere, it's clearly either the airport scene in Civil War or the climactic battle in Endgame. Another awesome patron here, Aliani Silvermist, says, I know it's already been mentioned, but is there really any other answer than the battle at Helm's Deep? LJ Human says, I love myself a bit of historical inaccuracy surrounding an awesome battle. Battle of Stirling Bridge for me. So Wizard Podcast says, Helm's Deep, obviously. Anth P says, maybe a little different to what you're after, but the ultimate battle for mine is the gun shootout in Heat, the most realistically shotgun battle I've ever seen. Yeah, that works. Yep. Justin Ballard says, Yarvin? A new hope? That doesn't mean anything to me. I mean, I know what a new hope is. I guess Yarvin's the planet, maybe? It probably is. Uh, Lindsay Dunn says, any battle in Braveheart? Malin181 says, for me, it's the war scene in Chimes at Midnight. That's Orson Welles' adaptation of Shakespeare's Henriad, and considering how Chimes at Midnight came out in 1965, I can't help but think that Peter Jackson, Kenneth Branagh, and the Game of Thrones directors all saw it and took notes. Wow, there you go. Haven't heard of that one. Ali Axoy says, the opening battle in Apocalypse Now. Not bad. Forgotten Film says, the Battle of Hoth. In the Empire Strikes Back. Next up from Slack Panther, the first 27 minutes of Saving Private Ryan floored me the first time and still floors me now. And our last one here on Twitter from Presidential Wisdom, Rick Vaughan v. Clue Haywood in Major League. Can't forget that epic battle in Major League. Haven't seen it, so can't comment on it. But I must say, it does sound epic. All right, let's take a look over on our Facebook community group here. Dipak Patel says, Haxel Ridge. Paul from the Countdown says, Omaha Beach in Saving a Private Ryan. Interesting. <laughs> Classic Paul and his typo. Hayden Gerloff says, House of Blue Leaves from Kill Bill. Not really a battle, but okay. Duty Dutrum says, The Space Battle in Return of the Jedi. I always felt like the Emperor Vader Luke uh, sort of outshone that battle that was going on. Maybe because the Vader-Luke Skywalker battle isn't the epic battle? Maybe. Gerald from Two Peas in a Podcast says, The Private Ryan open and Braveheart immediately come to mind. All right, let's take a look over on our Patreon. Dean, who have we got? We've got Hunkrio. He says, I've got to go for the Battle of Helm's Deep for my favourite epic battle. The perfect mix of action, spectacle, humour and character moments. Rob Manifield says, It's got to be the storming of Omaha Beach from Saving Private Ryan. Brother Shane says, Game of Thrones puts movie battles to shame. Battle of the Bastards being the best. Ah, I love that answer to epic battles in film. <laughs> Chris from the Rough House podcast says, Before last year, it would have been the Battle of Helm's Deep, but the final battle in Avengers Endgame has taken the top spot. Last one here from Chris Beardsell. Avengers Endgame, 10 years of storylines culminating in one last showdown was so satisfying. Ah, thank you very much. Everyone for putting in your responses. But Dean, let's get to our top five epic battles in film. And as usual, we kick it off with you. What is your number five? My number five is the Battle of Hogwarts. Interesting, interesting, interesting. All right, my number five, we're going Star Wars. Battle of Hoth from Empire Strikes Back. Really? Yes, really. My number four is the Battle of Stirling Bridge from Braveheart. Tick that off for me, mate. My number four as well. My number three is the Endgame Final Battle. Okay. Uh, I don't really rate that Endgame like end battle. Not, 
Okay. No, just not that battle. Not really for me. Just not that uh, battle. Ten years of uh, storytelling. No, I don't care about the whole ten years. The battle itself was just, you know, no good. all over the giant no. big buff. All the characters nah. we know and love that we all care about now. Nah, yeah, good. Nah, none of, none of them are going to die. Just big, all the big women CGI power armor. as well. Big CGI was the best. That's all it is. Just big, you know, CGI, MCU, army just going for it. Whatever. My number three was the one that you had a sook about before. It's the House of Blue Leaves from Kill Bill. Oh my god, that is not a battle. A battle is... It is, is mate. No, a battle, I looked it up because I thought it was ridiculous. A battle is two groups going together, not one person fighting a large group. Nah, she killed it. That's, that's a battle for her. That is ridiculous. I don't care. Wow. This is my list, mate. It's a shit list. Nah, yours is shit. One of your CGI worst. Endgame Fest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Surprise! All five of them aren't MCU. Wow. Okay, my number two, Helm's Deep from uh, Lord of the Rings: Two Towers. Me too. Number two, Helm's Deep. All right, so we have the same number one then. Omaha Beach, saving Private yes, Ryan. Absolutely, Omaha Beach, number one, saving Private Ryan for sure. I mean, you redeemed yourself at the end, but House of Blue Leaves is a garbage. You pick. didn't redeem yourself with your Endgame pick. All right, and for next week's question of the week, we're hitting Return of the King, so we're going to ask you: What is your favorite trilogy? Movie trilogy, obviously. Yeah, don't try and, you know, put in some Game of Thrones battle trilogy that we've never heard of, okay? Just movies. Stick to film, guys. And just a trilogy. We can't go, oh, the first three films in the Terminator franchise. No, that doesn't count. You're disqualified. Oh, really? Well, what are we ruling <laughs> are you on? you disqualified already. <laughs> what are we ruling on, like, Star Wars and stuff? Okay, so they're okay because they're their own set of, set of trilogies. You can't say Terminator 1 to 3 is their own little set of trilogies, and then four to six is the is their own little set of trilogies. And we can't have a Toy Story trilogy, can we? Nope, not anymore. Okay, sounds good. There's this tournament. Let the tournament begin! All right, Dean, it's time to find out the results of the final four in our best 2010s film tournament. Our results don't matter because we both picked the same two, but let's take a look at which two films are going into the grand final. First match here, we had the number one seed, Inception, against the number four seed, Interstellar. And pretty easily, Inception takes out Interstellar with a 69% victory to Interstellar's 31. And the next matchup, we had Parasite taking on Whiplash. And it was Parasite coming out on top with a 64% victory. What do you reckon, Hendo? Recency bias? No, I think I think it is the film holding up over over how how very well received it is. Not just for recency. I mean, it won Best Picture. I have seen a lot of it's the best best of the best picture winners of the 2010s. I, I think it's well deserved. Fittingly so, because the grand final match is our number one seed Inception against our number two seed Parasite. Really? I must say, out of out of all the decade tournaments we've done, I didn't expect the 2010s one to end up as, regardless of what it was, number one against number two. I thought it would have been much more skewed. Yeah. No, it'll be interesting to see uh, what can take the cake there. Yeah, see which, which one makes it into the, the final eight of our overall best film ever tournament. That's going to be a fun Ooh. one once that match gets sorted. So, what's next? We're here, mate. We're at Return of the King. We're here. Let's do it. Two more episodes of Lord of the Rings to go. Yes, and then we move into our Hobbit series. Oh, God, no, wait, no, no, no Hobbit series. (laughs) No, that'll be a patron exclusive. Not even. (laughs) (laughs) All right, thank you very much, everyone, for checking out the episode of The Two Towers, and we will see you next week for Lord of the Rings Return of the King. Bye. Bye.